Chapter Twenty One of the Rebel of the School by Mrs. L. T. Mead. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One. The Society meets at Mrs. Church's cottage. That evening, at about a quarter to eight, a band of perfectly silent girls might have been seen walking along the road that led to Mrs. Church's cottage. They walked as much as possible on the grass, and glided in single file. Each one, as they expressed it, had her heart in her mouth. Occasionally they looked behind them. Sometimes they started at an ordinary shadow, thinking that a policeman at least would be waiting for them. The foundationers, who called themselves the Wild Irish Girls, had very little doubt what it would mean if their scheme was discovered. They knew, of course, that Miss Ravenscroft would be furiously angry, that the governors would have something to say to them, and that they might be dismissed from the school unless they promised to cease to belong to the society. Perhaps there were worse things than that. There was a timid little girl called Jane Ford, who whispered to her friend that the wild Irish girls belonged to the rebels in Ireland, and that it might be considered necessary by the government of the country to have them taken up and put into prison. Nobody for a single moment believed Jane Ford's silly remarks, but nevertheless they gave a sort of thrill to the occasion. It was all delightful, this stealing away in the dark, this pressing one against another as they walked down the little road. And then Kathleen was so fascinating, her eyes were so bright, she was such a valiant sort of leader, if they were men and she was a man, Jane Ford had whispered to her great friend Edith Hart they would follow her to the death. We'd form a crusade for her, Edith had whispered back. She is magnificent. And then both girls felt the little heart-shaped lockets round their necks and thought of themselves as heroines. The entire party, numbering about forty-three in all, arrived at the cottage. Susie suddenly put in her appearance. Girls, she said, it isn't at all certain that we are safe. I saw a man going by not ten minutes ago, and he looked suspiciously at the house. Miss Ravenscroft will do anything to catch us, but Aunt Church says that if we go into the yard, she doesn't think you will be seen or heard. May I take the girls into the yard, Kathleen? And may I take you and Miss O'Flynn into the house to see Aunt Church? Kathleen nodded in reply. She also felt excited and pleased and completely carried out of herself. Susie ushered her visitors with great pride and pomp into Mrs. Church's little sitting room. Really, she felt herself quite rising in the social scale as she saw her old relative dressed in her best, with the manners she used to wear when she was a housekeeper at Lord Henshaw's, and with that most appetizing, most ricochet tea on the table. I will be back in a minute, said Susie. Aunt Church, here they are, and I know you will give them welcome. I am proud to do that, said Miss Church. I presume I am talking to Miss O'Flynn. Will you take a chair here by the fire, Miss? I'm afraid the night is a little chilly. Miss Kathleen, I wish I could get up and offer you a seat, but as it is... Oh, nonsense, said Kathleen. What are young legs for if not to wait on old legs? 
oh what a heavenly delicious tea what is it that i see honey oh don't i just adore honey don't you aunt katie that i do said miss o'flynn and i could eat comb and all it never yet disagreed with me but then i've got the digestion of an ostrich indeed then madam i think you are rather silly to eat the comb said mrs church and you ought always to put butter on your bread when you eat honey my poor mother told me so and i have always followed in her steps if you butter your bread and don't eat the comb honey agrees with you as well as anything else mrs church said kathleen you are perfectly sweet and i can't tell you how grateful we are but we are in something of a hurry so perhaps you wouldn't mind telling the rest of that story about butter and honey to aunt katie when you are in ireland have you made the tea mrs church shall i make it the tea is in that little brown caddy said mrs church and there's a measuring spoon close to it i allow oh i know said kathleen she began to ladle out spoonful after spoonful and put it into the little brown teapot which she then filled up with hot water mrs church looked on with a mingled feeling of approval and disapproval she was being carried completely off her feet she to give up her dear little neat house in this reckless way she to give up her most precious tea to be absolutely wasted and practically lost for kathleen put in quite three times too much tea into the little teapot she too forgive susie mother two months of that debt which she owed her oh what did it mean she was going to be ruined in her old age are you just like to say this miss she said looking at miss o'flynn and then kathleen i'd like to say that i am willing to help the young ladies and the old ladies too for that matter but i want to know if it is settled that i am to have the almshouse and six shillings a week i am a plain-spoken body and i'd like to know it for if it so can be done i ought to give notice to the landlord of this little house where i have lived in peace and comfort for over twelve years i'd like to know and as soon as possible we have written about it mrs church said miss o'flynn i wrote to my brother-in-law this very day and i expect an answer soon of course we can't tell you to a certainty whether the house is still to be had but i didn't hear that it was let we must hope for the best and if it is let said kathleen suddenly running up to the old lady and whispering in her ear i'll get dad to send me a cheque and you shall have it so you won't lose one way or the other the whisper of kathleen's was very soothing to mrs church she nodded her head twice and said thank you dear and just then susie returned and tea began in real earnest while the ladies were enjoying their meal they did not observe that a round boyish face occasionally appeared at the little glass partition which divided mrs church's sitting-room from her bedroom the glass reached down about two feet from the ceiling and was the only light the bedroom had the boyish face bobbed up now and again made appealing faces in mrs church's direction and then disappeared mrs church shook her head at the apparition but for a time no one noticed the circumstance then susie began to observe it 
what can it mean she thought as she turned and looked the face appeared the tongue now stuck into the cheek one eye winking furiously well i never said susy what are you saying well i never for asked kathleen and why do you and mrs church keep gazing up at that ugly glass across the room what is the glass for it is the window that lights my bedroom miss said mrs church and i don't see she added why i may not look at any part of my own house that i take a fancy to of course said kathleen but tom was now making pantomimic signs for refreshments he was touching his mouth which he opened into a round o pointing at the cake and honey and going on altogether in a way that distracted poor susie and just as susie looked up kathleen looked up and the latter burst into a loud laugh and said i do declare there's a boy in there the next instant she had burst into the bedroom and dragged tom out oh you are tom hopkins she said you are susie's brother now sit down here and have a right good meal it was silly of you to hide in there as if we minded but kathleen you ought to mind said susie for it would be the very last straw if we were discovered and there is a boy found among us i declare i never felt so nervous in my life do go back to the bedroom tom aunt church oughtn't he to go come and sit by me said mrs church and here's a fresh egg for you take your place tom and when the others go into the yard for their foolish mummeries for i can't make out that there is a bit of sense in the scheme from first to last why you and i will finish up what is left of the good things you are a brick aunt church said tom he took a seat at the table and gazed with wonder delight and admiration at kathleen he told his schoolfellows that at that moment he lost his heart to kathleen he said that she bowled him over completely i haven't a scrap of heart in my body to-day he remarked to his chosen friends i took it out and put it at her feet and if you believe me she spurned it that's the way of girls don't you have anything to do with them boys but the boys only begged more earnestly than ever to have a look at kathleen tom finally promised to secure her photograph by hook or by crook and to show it to them when the meal which was but a short one after all came to an end miss o'flynn and kathleen got up and were preparing to go to the yard at the back of the house when there came the sound of horses hoofs on the stones outside they stopped at the cottage and a loud knock at the door was next heard they have come said susy her face white as a sheet i knew they would i wonder what will happen kathleen aren't you awfully frightened not i said kathleen why should i be frightened whoever is there that has nothing to do with us susy's state of panic amused both miss o'flynn and kathleen and tom was the only one found brave enough to go to the door in answer to the knock he came back the next instant with a telegram which was addressed to miss o'flynn she tore it open and gave a loud scream it's my poor cousin peggy doherty she has fallen from her horse 
as has concussion of the brain i must go to her at once oh alanna alanna what is to be done here miss o'flynn turned a face of anguish in kathleen's direction it is that i must leave you my darling she said i will go back to town with the messenger get off to london to-night and cross in the morning ah oh, the creature and she's my dearest friend let us hope that providence will spare her precious life oh dear oh dear dear this is awful i don't see why you should go aunt kate said kathleen i want you very badly indeed just now then my sweet child come straight away with me to dublin for as to leaving peggy in her hour of extremity i wouldn't do it even for you kathleen and that's saying a good deal but how can i come i have my society and-and the school well then stay love only don't keep me now good-bye to you pet i haven't a minute to lose tom is that your name go out and tell the messenger that i will go back with him to merrifield and what about my almshouse screamed out mrs church this is a nice state of things i must say who minds what a slip of a young lady says meaning no offence to you miss but i have been spending my money right and left getting tea that beats all for gentility and now one of the ladies is off as if it were in a flash of an eye what about my almshouse miss o'flynn looked rather indignant you shall have your almshouse if it can be got how unfeeling you are to think only of yourself or my dearest friend may be at death's door here is a sovereign which will more than cover the expenses of the tea good-bye kathleen call of my heart good-bye all of you miss o'flynn flung a sovereign on the table mrs church made a grab at it and held it tightly in her hand which was covered by a black mitten the next moment the good lady had departed and kathleen looking thoroughly bewildered was left alone dear dear she said yet i am an irish girl and i am not going to show funk there are all these poor girls waiting in the yard so long i will go to them at once come with me susie there were about forty girls in the yard and they sat close together the night was sufficiently cold to make them somewhat chill and the fears which little janey ford had put into their hearts began to grow greater and more fixed each moment when kathleen appeared all was immediately changed susie preceded her carrying the little paraffin lamp this was placed on the table which was arranged in the yard for the purpose and its light fell now on the vivid colouring and beautiful face of the irish girl she took off her favourite blue velvet cap and pushed her hand through her masses of radiant hair and then flung herself into what she was pleased to call an attitude but which was really a very graceful and natural pose then she said speaking aloud girls of the society wild irish girls i am sorry to tell you that my aunt miss o'flynn miss katie o'flynn who i hoped would have joined our numbers to-night and would have been a perfect rock of strength for us all has been obliged to suddenly go back to ireland owing to an accident that has happened to her dearest friend dear dear how sad said one or two so we are without her girls continued kathleen 
and now i want to know if you are prepared to stand by me through thick and thin that we are was shouted in one vivid clear girlish note i am glad to hear it and if you will stand by me you may be quite sure that i will stand by you it is whispered in the school that we are found out and the school bless it is angry it doesn't want us you foundationers and me to have our fun our little bit of innocent fun very mean of it said one or two while the others groaned it wants to crush us continued kathleen we mean the school no harm and why shouldn't it let us alone all we want is our fun a little bit of liberty and to show those companions who look down upon us that we are as good as they and that we will fight for each other and have our own way and meet when we please and do as we like out of school hours it is a sort of manifesto of independence that is what it is girls and i want to know if you will stick to it all the hands were raised up at this juncture and all the voices said yes 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 that's splendid said kathleen i didn't know i had such an enthusiastic following well girls we will have to run a certain risk we will have to conceal all we can about the society we'll have to be true to each other whatever happens and we will meet wherever we like girls let the headmistress and the governor say what they please hurrah for kathleen o'hara hurrah for the wild irish girls forever they shouted that's about it said kathleen i called you all tonight to tell you that we are suspected and we are called insurrectionists but let them call us what they like please here put in the timid voice of janey ford are we likely to be put in prison for that would break mother's heart and do none of us any good oh you little goose cried kathleen with her ringing laugh not a bit of it the worst that could happen to us is to be expelled from school now this worst which was really a matter of little importance in the eyes of kathleen was somewhat serious to the other girls to be expelled meant to deprive them of their chance of being well educated and of earning a decent living by and by they all felt very grave and kathleen who had a great power of reading what went on in the hearts of those in whom she was interested felt somewhat that their enthusiasm had abated but nothing will happen she cried if we are faithful to each other stand shoulder to shoulder and do not whatever happens betray each other why girls miss ravenscroft and the governors can do nothing to us unless they have proof and they will have no proof if we are all true to each other now that's the whole of it for to-night we'll meet in the quarry on saturday night and then we'll make a plan for a great expedition all by ourselves to london in the course of next week oh dear said susie doesn't it make your heart throb and i want to add continued kathleen that i will thank you i can't do it always but i will on this occasion and katie o'flynn has given me some money for that purpose so you will stick to me won't you girls that we will came from the mouths of all and i am your captain am i not girls indeed you are for we could die for you said one or two and we will never betray you or one another End of chapter 21